Hey, and welcome to the Badger Talks podcast, the podcast which interviews experts from the University of Wisconsin-Madison community about their work, programs, and research, and what they are like as people too. I'm your host, Ben Rush. Listening to this podcast will also give you a sneak peek of an upcoming longer talk by each guest. Our guest today, Susan Carpenter, will give a talk called Gardening with Native Plants on December 7th at noon central time virtually. A link to the virtual talk, as well as past and upcoming talks, is in the show notes. For now, let's dive into the interview with Susan Carpenter. Hi, Susan. Thanks for joining me on the Badger Talks podcast. How are you? Fine. Great to be here. Glad to have you here. We are talking about one of my favorite subjects. Uh, I used to be an avid gardener and tried to put in as many native plants as possible. I do have to ask before we get to the plants, has anyone ever called you Susan Carpenter B? No, no one's ever done that before. <laughs> Although I do get jokes about if I spot a Carpenter bee, I do get jokes about whether I have a special relationship with it. <laughs> nice. So now we know your name, Susan Carpenter. Could you also tell us the pronouns you use, please? Right. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Fantastic. And if someone was going to bump into you on the street, what might you look like? If you were to run into me on the street, you would see someone who was of average height for a woman, um, average weight, I guess, and um, usually wearing blue jeans because that's my work uniform and we're usually wearing hiking boots. I wear hiking boots to do gardening. I wear hiking boots to go walking. I'm usually wearing hiking boots often. I'm a pretty active person, so you would see me out and about quite a bit. I love working outdoors, so that's um, probably where you would see me out in the garden or out in the yard or out on our conservation land working on working on the land. And are there any identities you'd like to highlight about yourself? Well, I'm white. Uh, I am of a certain age. So um, I, let's just say, have a lot of experience um, with, <laughs> with my work and with um, life in general. I'm a wife. I'm a mother, um, daughter, aunt, great aunt, and a lot of other family relationships and family is really important to me. And lastly, what are your roles on campus? Okay, well, on campus, I uh, care for and have um, seen through the native plant garden uh, at the Arboretum. And that's a project that was uh, started about 20 years ago now. And I've been there almost 20 years. So uh, we've started from scratch, basically, when the visitor center was enlarged at the Arboretum back in 2001, we had a garden, there was a garden designed by Daryl Morrison for that space around the visitor center. So we started planting the garden. And normally I'm working with uh, all through these years, been working with about 50 to 60 um, community volunteers during the growing season to plant the garden, install the garden, care for the garden, weed the garden. So that experience for the volunteers is, I would say, to me, it looks like about 50% gardening and about 50% learning. We're learning and doing at the same time. That's one of the best things about this kind of gardening and one of the best things about being in a position to share it with uh, so many people. I'm also an outreach person, so I give a great many presentations um, like Badger Talks for different groups around the state. Uh, the virtual world has been 
really very good for sharing um, sharing gardening and bumblebee information with people all over the state. I've been really grateful for that, even though we had uh, that it's happening during a pandemic. Yeah, and I'm glad you. I, I mean, you're you're mentioning that the pandemic, although you know we did not want this at all. Many people had turned to gardening as some sort of an outlet, either to grow food or just, you know, appreciate some beauty. And your talk is for Badger Talks coming up is all about native plant gardening. And so I was hoping you could just tell our audience what a native plant might be. What counts as a native plant basically depends on where you are. So here in southern Wisconsin, uh, and our garden here at the Our Reading reflects this, there are certain plant communities that we think of. We think of the prairie. We think of savannah, oak savanna, for example, maybe a woodland setting, a wetland setting. And so the plants from those plant communities that are um, the plant communities that would be found here in southern Wisconsin are the plants that we draw on for our gardens. So if we have a rain garden uh, that we create in our own in our own yard or in our garden here, we use wetland and plants that can um, survive wet conditions and dry conditions uh, alternating. We use those plants within that kind of garden. So a native plant would be a plant that has grown in an area for thousands of years. So the plants are the basis of the food webs that support our animals, support our birds, support our insects, and so forth. And the native plants are the plants that will do well there, suited to the climate, suited to the soils, suited to the moisture conditions. And um, those will be the plants that will do well and support the most life of that area. So do you have some favorite examples Oh, boy. And now that's a question I get asked a lot. What is your favorite native plant? <laughs> it's usually the ones that I'm working with right at the moment. But I do love the prairie plants. Uh, they're very easy to grow. So the shooting stars, the prairie smoke, and moving into the spiderwort, and the liatris is the blazing star. So some of these plants would be familiar to people. I mean, I've named just four, but there are hundreds. And so there's a lot to choose from. And there's enough favorites for everyone to have their own, their own favorites. And we're lucky in the Midwest because we do have um, good sourcing. There are good sources for us to get plants from. And that isn't true all over the, over the whole country. Yeah. And once those native plants are actually established, I mean, it's really nice to just see them bloom. Like you're saying, minimal uh, effort for each one and there's a native plant for the shade the semi sunny spots the extremely hot spots whatever you need yep there's a real variety there and i i don't like to tell i don't like to give people the impression that you can put the native plants in and then just walk away and it'll nature will take care of it for you you don't have to do things like water all the time uh you don't use herbicides you don't use um fertilizer at all. Those are things that will actually work. Against, fertilizer will work against you in, in growing native plants. But, um, but you do have to weed and you do have to pay attention, but you get to learn all of the changes that are going to go on in the area. It'll never stay the same. Picking a few favorite plants, like going through a, a website of 
plant native plant nursery website or something like that, picking out some things that would be where you can see from the description that it would be suitable for, say, if you're at the south side of your house that gets a lot of sunlight, try some prairie plants. If you have uh, the north side of your house, maybe some woodland species, because there's always a little bit of a microclimate on the north side that keeps it a little cooler, a little moister, a little more suitable for woodland plants. But I would say if people try it and see how they like it, if they want resources, uh, we the Arboretum is a great place to visit and see um, this, but it's becoming much more popular and there are more resources available all the time. Yeah, I think I've also noticed in my small prairies, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of the prairie plants as well, the ones that I get established, maybe if it's like a two by two plot, even with that small amount, then that biodiversity starts to come in. And pretty much every single year I see something new and I'm like, what the heck is that? Um, which is really fun. Like you said, when you if you switch from a like, say, a lawn, even if it's a lawn that has a lot of uh, other plants besides grass in it and you and you turn that into a, a native uh, a native garden with a little more structure, a little more height, more variety of, of species. You may have a relatively small area that has dozens of species in it. And you're right. As soon as you do that, uh, you'll see the wildlife coming in or you'll see insects, new insects. You'll see bird life in the fall. So the whole system starts to show up in front of you. And it's really fascinating. Yeah. One of my, my simplest pleasures i think of having all those native species of plants in my garden was just watching the bee activity and just the amount that could come in and also just thinking like even even if the plant is very small i'm helping to support all these different bee species that come in um, while their habitat is being lost that's a really great point because anyone can also do the gardening. If many, many people do the gardening, what we see is the addition or recovery of these uh, plants within the landscape. What we'll really need to have, which is stewardship of these plants in built environments, as well as in natural areas or other areas that could be preserved. So one thing I also wanted to touch on, you, you mentioned land management few minutes ago. And I was curious because I've been around the Arboretum during um, controlled burn season. So I was curious if the prairies are part of that system that gets burned every year. Well, our uh, prescribed fire um, system is, uh, you know, our prescribed fire program is uh, actually involves more than just the prairies. Uh, we have savannas, oak savannas, which is a, a type of vegetation with uh, scattered, in this case, oak trees, but a vegetation underneath that is fire adapted. Um, we have different kinds of prairies, of course, uh, wetter prairies, drier prairies, um, mesic prairies, and different locations. So our program really um, is is a flexible program. In other words, we, we can't burn everywhere every year and we wouldn't do that anyway um, because that's not, that's not probably going to lead to the best land health. So we really do move the burn areas around and then we are also restricted in terms of when we can burn because there's the burn prescription, if you will, which it means certain conditions of temperature, humidity, wind direction, 
and wind speed, to name a few, uh, crew size, um, crew availability, and etc. So um, there were, might be a spot where we would love to burn it, but we can't burn it that season because those conditions don't line up properly in, in order for us to, to actually do the burn. You also mentioned that you're outside a lot, but I was also going to just end it with what do you do after work? Well, after work, I have, uh, I do have a little dog. My husband and I have a little dog and uh, we take care of him. So he, he's a bundle of uh, fun. He likes to look for his uh, mailman who carries a box of milk bones around in the truck. So every delivery truck is considered his friend (laughs) and he waits for them to drive by and he's disappointed if they don't stop and give him a milk bone. Other than that, uh, I do have a really great hobby for uh, this kind of climate. If I'm stuck inside for any length of time, and even when I'm not, I am a quilter. So I do a lot of sewing and quilting. Well, Susan, it's been an absolute delight to have you on the Badger Talks podcast. Uh, Very excited to see your talk in about a week. And I hope you have a great quilting season as well. (laughs) Well, thank you, Ben. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Badger Talks podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview. If you want to catch more of Susan Carpenter, check out her talk on December 7th at noon central time. The link to her upcoming talk and talks by other University of Wisconsin-Madison experts is in the show notes. Until next time, be well. Badger Talks podcast is a creation by the University of Wisconsin-Madison and Deeper Than Data Media. Music composed by Bill Purdy and played by the University of Wisconsin-Madison Marching Band. The podcast was recorded, edited, and produced by Deeper Than Data Media.